0: to those who are listening for the first time, welcome to the Stanford podcast. Each week we get together to talk anything and everything about Stamford and a bit about the world and normally learn something new that Molly doesn't
1: like. <laughs> <laughs> Great introduction.
0: And joining me as ever, as you may have heard, is Molly and Lucy. Hello. How are we both doing?
1: Yeah, really good. Although going slightly bonkers, I think. This is my fourth week working from home not really going out, um, I'm going slightly mad. I'm talking to myself a lot more than I realised. And I had a serious Molly moment earlier. I got into the shower with my slippers on. That is <laughs> how much I've been wearing them. Um, so they're on the radio, drying. <laughs> and that is, that is this, the kind of summary of my week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have a very special guest, one of our heroes who works for the NHS. Who, before I introduce Charlotte, I do want to say whilst living in Stamford, so one of our very own heroes, Charlotte does not work in Stamford. So, Charlotte, in what I imagine is your somewhat limited downtime, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Not at all. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great at the moment because I'm at home and I'm relaxing at the moment and I haven't actually been at work today. So I've had a lovely day in the sun. What a beautiful day it's
0: been. Yeah, indeed. How... how- much are you working right now?
2: I'm working four days a week but I'm on call for the whole of the week as and when required depending on staff sickness or if more hands are needed on deck.
0: Your role as advanced nurse practitioner?
2: Yeah so I work in the community in primary care I work with GPs and community nurses. My role in general practice and in the community is to see patients, to clinically assess them, diagnose them, prescribe for them, and if required, refer them on to secondary care. Um, so that's what I do normally. But at the moment, in the last few weeks, everything everything's changed, so. Um,
0: we will come on to the obvious of probably the two words you've heard the most in the last three, four weeks, coronavirus and COVID-19. But, In terms of NHS, is is that something that you always wanted to do? How long have you been working for the NHS?
2: Oh, gosh. So I've been working for the NHS for about 30 years, trained in Manchester. And then after my initial training, I moved to London to work in London before moving up to the Midlands.
0: I'm going to keep saying this, and I'm sure the others will as well, but thank you.
2: (laughs) Yay! (laughs) well i thought i felt like i should bring my saucepan and spoon but there's something else we can bang i I have to say thank you very much to everybody that has been clapping for the nhs over the last week but the first time it happened i was actually having a bubble bath and i didn't know anything about it but thank you anyway (laughs)
1: that's amazing
0: It's something that actually people have taken on and everyone does it. We go out in the street, every house is out. You see it in London and the flats, everyone is out. What does that really mean to someone that it's for? What, what does that mean?
2: means a lot. It really, really does. Just to know that you are being thought about and appreciated, it, it, it is so important for morale. So um, thank you so much for doing that. I know that it means a lot to colleagues and it really does boost morale, so thank you.
3: It's another reminder, isn't it, of how during all of this it's actually uniting people, you know, the fact that everyone's doing that at the same time. I was walking my dog on the Meadows the other day when clapping for the NHS kicked off. So from the Meadows it just echoed across the whole of the town. And I started welling up and crying. I was like, oh my goodness. It's it's just such a powerful thing. And you do, you just feel that connection. So, you know, I imagine that if I worked in the NHS as a nurse and had just got off an 18 hour shift and was at the end of my tether, I think it would probably mean an awful lot. You know, it's just that sense that everyone is behind you and appreciates you and acknowledges the amazing work you do. So, yeah, massive thank you.
2: Yeah yes no thank you there are obviously lots of very sad stories um um, that we're hearing but there are also lots of very positive things about what we're going through at the moment as well and for some people it's um you know a time just to stop and reflect on what on what's important to us and what we value
3: Mm, definitely i think we're in that privileged position because all three of us are either working from home or not working and just being at home so we've got that amazing opportunity to just kind of to see it as an opportunity and to think what we're actually going to create in that time or like you say just stop it's like a global pause isn't it stop and reflect and think about what you want in your life and so on whereas you're there dealing (laughs) Well, you're not—I wouldn't necessarily describe it—is—is is it the front line? Am I, you know, is it right to say that you're on the front line?
2: I think at the moment. You are really.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, um, first of all, in some ways, um, seeing friends and relatives—I I think in some ways it's easier for me uh, because I still have a job. I'm still following my normal routine. You know, I'm getting up at the same time in the morning, having to go to my place of work. And although my day to day routine at work has certainly changed over the last few weeks, um, you know, I I still things haven't changed as much for me as maybe for you three. Um, who are you know or other people and and friends and relatives as well, and in some ways that might be it might be easier for me because um i've I've still got maintaining this routine
3: mm. but we can create our own routine
2: yeah. <laughs> honestly, don't worry about
3: us <laughs> we're we'll sure thing <laughs> How extraordinary that you
0: sort of... I don't think there'll be anyone listening to that that will uh, all second it. I mean, I'm sure we'll agree with you on a lot of things, but... And we humans do like routine and they do like an end date, and I think with some of this where people are struggling is we don't know an end date, if it was going to be right. First of September, this is done. People would mentally cope a little bit better, but because we don't know that, I think people do naturally find it harder. But in terms of the impact it's had to you in the workplace, is Compared to what we're going through, having to work from home or being furloughed, and different people are in different financial positions, I thoroughly appreciate that. And some people have lost the job whilst there's various government funding, etc. Yeah, us compared to you guys, is it's not even comparable, it's not on the same page. So so how day-to-day change? It
2: has changed in the area that I work in community and with alongside primary care and general practice. We have changed our work practices over the last few weeks. I mean, for instance, similarly to the secondary care, all routine appointments work has stopped in generally not letting anybody come in for face-to-face appointments. So we're doing all of our appointments via the telephone or via the video now this was something that we were being urged and encouraged to do anyway just because of lack of resources we were being encouraged to do more work on the telephone and via video consultations something like this has meant that we've had to implement these things in literally days and learn how to use this technology uh, very very quickly And a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment is about reassuring patients, it's about trying to protect patients by um, sorting out those patients that need to be seen face to face, and might have, might have COVID-19 but they're not showing symptoms and then keep them separate from other patients that might not have um, very much wrong, wrong with them at all. And also the patients who are very, very high risk who need to be completely screened and separated and, and protect really from this. It's hitting the hospitals at the moment and then patients who uh, would normally be in hospital are being discharged out into the community and into our care um, a lot sooner than they would have been. So we're seeing perhaps poorlier patients than we would normally see in the community and in primary care.
3: And does that concern you that these people that would otherwise be in hospital are now being you know, released back into the community as it were? Yeah,
2: in some ways it does, but in other ways uh, there aren't the facilities um, all the services readily available in the community sit in hospitals longer than they need to. But certainly, again, over the last few weeks, this, that problem is being tackled. And now these patients are being uh, discharged out into the community. Um, not inappropriately, appropriately, but, you know, we're all pulling together to make sure that we can care for them.
1: The stuff you said about technology, because I find that really interesting, because of what I do, I work in financial planning and a lot of what we do is kind of, you would think it's technology based, but we've realised we're a very paper based um, industry. And like, so with like things like going to the doctors, obviously there's always kind of news around how people go to the doctors for, you know, they've cut their finger on a thorn outside or something, you know, there's wasted resources. And recently where I go to the doctors, they're really trying to push these online um, appointments and stuff like that with the, the new apps that are involved. I just wondered, do you think it will go more that way after oh, this is all finished if that's the only way we can do it now or do you think more people will start using those kind of systems rather than just heading to the doctors whenever they feel like it
2: uh well it's interesting you should say that because certainly uh in where, where i work patients um have been uh, seem to have been very understanding and are staying away mm-hmm. and For a lot of things that we see in general practice and the community nowadays, they're things that if people would only give themselves time, they're would. usually self-limiting things and they would recover from these things without actually needing to go and see anybody about them. Mm And I mean, I think there's lots of issues there, you know, it, it might then turn to technology. I mean, the problem with technology and Google, it um, you know, it's got two sides to it. I mean, sometimes uh, my heart sinks when people say they've been on Google and other mm-hmm. times I'm really pleased that they've been on Google to look something up and work something out for themselves or try something. Um, it's just about making sure that you're on the right site, really. Yeah, um, when know. it comes to looking things
3: up. I think it's crazy when you think about this thing happening and how awful it is, obviously, but how it might actually become the thing that saves us as a community or a you know as a country or as a world, because we I mean, you know if you think about all the businessmen that are now conducting all of mm-hmm. their meetings as we are here through a video conferencing application. So, you know, it does suggest that they don't really need to be flying all over the world, left, right, and centre, for business meetings and so on. And think people are just going to think differently about how they manage stuff. And, you know, the, the the thing is you can do everything online. You can speak to people, reconnect with people, fulfill your business sort of requirements and and you know, treat people in terms of healthcare and all the rest of it. You don't have to have that. Um, personal thing, but I think it's like a transition period for, in terms of healthcare. maybe.
2: Uh, the clinicians are just as bad. I don't think we've, I think we've been a bit reluctant to embrace it. It's just easier to do what you always do, which is see 32 patients a day, one after the other in 10 minutes long. I feel like I'm giving just as good a consultation via video and telephone um, as, as I was doing face to face. Having said that, there are some patients that clearly do need to still have a face-to-face consultation, and you do need to examine them. But there are lots that you don't, and there are lots of cues that you can pick up over video as well. And certainly mental health is a really good example of Mm. something that could be done on a video link or, or over the telephone. And quite often, People with serious mental health problems or severe depression are the very patients that don't like to come into a surgery that it's been that's been really mm. useful having that technology and being forced into using it.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, I hadn't thought about those other we're so consumed with COVID-19 at the moment, we're not really thinking.
0: Yeah, and there's still people are still getting, people are still sick from other diseases or viruses or coughs or colds that they they've not gone away or
2: absolutely yeah and it, and it but it's trying to mm. um you know it's trying to sort sort those patients out from people that might have covid basically anybody we see now we have to think that they might have covid so certainly we have to anybody that we see face to face we're wearing uh, a PPE for everybody and we're we're having separate entrances for patients to come into clinics and surgeries and we're seeing them in separate rooms and you know we're being we're being very careful. Don't you have people waiting in their car? Yeah so, yeah. In, in certain scenarios certain clinics and practices patients are being asked to wait in their car um, and then um, in some instances, if something simple, we might even go out into the car park because, of course, being in the open air, being in, um, a good mm. preventative. And, and then other patients were, sta- were taking through side entrances and keeping them completely mm. separate from most of the workforce and other patients um, that might be coming in for other things.
3: So every precaution is being taken, basically
2: yes um there was there was a funny incident where one of our receptionists had spoken to a woman that needed a smear test, and uh she'd said to the lady you will uh, when you arrive please wait in the car and the nurse will come out to your car <laughs> and she went oh my goodness she said i've only got a mini <laughs> <laughs> she thought she genuinely thought that we were going to do the procedure in a car.
1: She sounds a bit like me. I think that would have been would have gone straight over my head. <laughs> <laughs> the nurse would have come out and Molly would have been there,
3: legs akimbo. <laughs> only got off here at 500. <laughs> oh dear.
0: You mentioned about PPE, and I appreciate you can only comment on what you know, what you see, but ha- has that been an issue?
2: Uh, Yes, it, it has been an issue up until about five days ago. And then we started, I think, because it had obviously been in the media so much, then all of a sudden, all of these companies, Stanford Boys School, Uppingham School, you know, lots of local schools have all been make the vi- certainly the visors. We don't have any of the suit, which some of my colleagues feel that if we are going to be seeing people who have got COVID-19, when I say have got, they might not have been swabbed, but they're displaying all the symptoms, but we're needing to go and see them or they're needing to come and see us for another problem. But at the moment, um, what we seem to be getting and have is the visor, the mask, the gloves and the apron. And we're we're also um, wearing scrubs, so um, either disposable scrubs that can be just thrown away after each patient or or scrubs that we will then um, wash um, ourselves at home separately from the rest of our family's washing. Um, But there's a national shortage of scrubs as well, so they've been quite difficult to get hold of. For the people, for for people in clinics and um, general practices who don't normally wear unit, it is getting better.
0: Day one hundred today since the first case in China. When did you start planning for COVID
2: nineteen? So me uh, personally in my local area. I think we were quick off the mark. We have been living and breathing this now for four weeks in terms of really starting to think, right, okay, we need to start changing our work practices. And the difficulty has been that every single day, it, everything changes. Well, not everything, but things change every day. So every morning, Uh, will have um, the government obviously have their COVID-19 briefing at five o'clock every evening to the nation but um, in in my workplace we also have a eight o'clock COVID-19 meeting every single morning and that will be to find out who is off sick um, who is having to self-isolate subtle changes in the way that we work every single day and lots of documents that have to be read as well because there's lots of information coming down um, from the government, um, the World Health Organization and various organizations.
3: So you're all having to be very sort of flexible in terms of the way you operate on a daily basis. Yeah,
2: and I, I, wake, I wake up in the morning and I'll sort of think, I'll come around, I'll think everything's okay for a few seconds and then I'll remember that it's not, that I'm living in a different world and I'll get a sinking feeling in my stomach and then I'll go to work and then after we get through the morning briefing and then everybody starts to get on with what they should be getting on with that day, then things get easier.
3: Yeah, you just automatically go into work mode, but there must be some anxiety, obviously, that goes along with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I've got colleagues who are very, very frightened and very, very fearful and you know we're we're, we are all frightened but when I'm at work I'm a nurse and I feel that I will do what I have to do when I'm at work but obviously you think you think about I'm putting myself into an environment where I'm going to be cross patients who who may have some I am at higher risk and and then I've got you know I do have concerns about coming back um, to the people that I'm living with and whether or not then I'm putting them at risk Um, and certainly I mean I'm not with my my children at the moment they're elsewhere rather than with me um, so that I'm no rid of them and um, we, we do zoom meetings.
0: But I think though you saying around when you're at work you're a nurse first. from what you've just said actually you no know, right now in life you are a nurse first.
2: Yeah yeah maybe yeah.
0: Before anything before anything comes in you know that sacrifice that you're making in your personal life is actually around you know the impact to us of oh we haven't got a routine yeah that's the point i would happily sacrifice a routine uh, not be it's not being there one of the things you mentioned about was people at your practice bit frightened, fearful is that the biggest impact for you the mental side more than the physical side or is that just something that it just doesn't get mentioned coronavirus is a physical illness so that's all what people are looking for and those symptoms. but the mental side must have an impact
2: along the way absolutely you start to see your colleagues in a different light sometimes under these situations when um, everybody's on under a lot of stress some people are pulling together being very supportive of each other, doing everything everything they can to be helpful. Other people are very scared, very fearful for lots of different reasons for themselves because they themselves might have underlying health problems or because somebody at home has an underlying health problem and they're trying to get there. And so it is a really challenging time in terms of managing. I wake up every morning with a sinking feeling in my stomach and I have to pull myself together um to get to get myself up and and off to work and you know and it is really close to home you know i have um two work colleagues off at the moment one of them wasn't swabbed but definitely had covid-19 symptoms and luckily they come through it and we're hoping to see them back at work next week and another colleague is off and they are very very poorly and every day where a group of work colleagues concerned and worried about their well-being and whether or not they're going to pull through this. So it, it, it feels very, very close to home when you've got two people that you work with who, who have got it.
0: Does that just play on the mind when, when you get home or does it, you say because you, you get into to work mode to nurse mode when you're there, or does that just play on your mind just the whole time whilst you are there as well?
2: Yeah, I, um, I, think, um, I think it's got a little bit easier. I think in the first couple of weeks you were on alert. You had this fight flight feeling all the time that you were just on alert all the time because something was going to happen. I, I think um, like everybody, we're, we're getting used to it a little bit now. It's important that we don't get complacent, though, as healthcare professionals or as the general public, because this hasn't gone away, and it is going to go on for many, many, many weeks to come. And it, well, it will get worse before it gets better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the message is simple: the three terms that we keep seeing plastered everywhere. And is that the same for you? Just keep reiterating: stay at home, protect the NHS, saves lives. It's very it simple and as clear as that, and especially when you are seeing people, from a professional point of view, impacted, like yourself. You know, you are living and breathing it, whether it's consciously at work or subconsciously at home, 24-7.
2: And it is it is really, really simple, as you say. Uh, You only have to do one thing, follow government guidance and stay at home. And please, please, please do not be complacent this bank holiday weekend. You should be viewing this weekend like any other weekend. Don't see it as an opportunity, um, you know, to get together with friends and family or if it's a nice weekend to, to go out as you would normally do for an Easter weekend it's not don't see it as a bank holiday weekend and don't be complacent um i mean another key message that i want to get across um is that because generally speaking this um 19 um is going to affect older people and people with underlying health problems more than young people, although it does affect young people too. It's really important that people think it's a very difficult subject to talk about, but that people think about advanced care planning and their wills and power of attorney. Um, You know, so if you're somebody that a little bit older, vulnerable, um, or certainly somebody that's very vulnerable or in a high risk category, um, and you haven't already done this, you really need to be speaking with friends and relatives about advanced care planning in the the context of COVID-19. Because if you were to contract covid 19 and you were to develop complications you would find yourself in hospital very very quickly and you wouldn't be going into hospital with the support of your friends and relatives around you you'd be there on your own and so if there are any things that you want to put in place or sort out or any preferences you have you need to be having those discussions now even as something as who would look after my dog in the event that I died in ITU. So please don't be complacent about this and do make those plans now
1: and something that people don't realize as well even like you just said we use that as an example who would look after my dog is something people don't think about and when you put it in that perspective it it changes your opinion on a lot of things um it's so important to look at especially now yeah and i
2: think it's because this can hit people very very quickly other terminal illnesses sometimes you know you do have time to plan a little bit more but if um you develop um, complications with this as i say it's going to hit you quite it's going to hit you quite hard and quite quickly and you're not going to have time then so please be thinking about having these conversations now definitely
0: Hopefully through all this, your passion and, and the way you've explained it will hopefully for some of the people that aren't listening or haven't thought about it, kind of, they, they do act on it. So yeah, we, as I said at the start of this, we can't thank you enough for everything you do. We're told to avoid people, avoid social contact, stay at home. Um, Yet yeah, every day you wake up and don't just avoid people, you go to the epicenter of where this is. It takes a special kind of person to do that. Perhaps you don't appreciate it and uh, perhaps only in time will fully recognise what you've put in. And I think the the Queen really summed it up when she said, let's look back in years to come at um, our generation and be proud of what we achieved. And and hopefully that's something that you can in in months, years or or weeks and days to come. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, thank you for on your limited relaxation time thank you for thank you for joining us and we know you have a little friday treat so i hope that that tastes a little <laughs> bit sweeter this week
3: a well deserved treat indeed <laughs>
0: indeed so so as is now tradition i have another quiz <laughs> so have uh, 10 questions not too difficult not too difficult <laughs> i don't believe you so there's a slight change this week i have 10 questions but for question number 10 there are two points for it. So there's two answers. It'll become clear. Okay. What animal appears on the logo of Lloyds Bank? Molly, that's the most excited I've ever seen (laughs)
1: Because I know the answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: I know that one.
0: Question number two. England cricketer, and oh. bizarrely, she's just put something on her stories uh, about it. England cricketer, Stuart Broad, dates which former girl band member? Question number three. I Need a Dollar was sang by who?
1: It's one of those songs that I have to I like, flashback to, because it was playing when I crashed my car. Great story there from me. <laughs> 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 At least I know the answer.
0: Sorry, question number four. How many hands does Big Ben have?
2: Oh, uh, well, must be more than two. We've
0: just got hands <laughs> <and clashing laughs> at everyone. How many hands does <laughs> Big Ben have? Question number five. At 89 years old, who announced last week he's to become a father for the fourth time?
1: At 89, did you just say? Oh, my God. Oh, oh. I know. Well, there's only one person it could be.
0: <laughs> Number six, and I did say this last week, uh, what is the name of the chief medical officer for England?
1: <gasps> oh no, I keep hearing him talk. Oh my god, I've remembered it, it's come to me. I think I'm doing really well this week.
0: You've been reading the paper haven't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Question number seven, which comedian last week with the help of Cakes & Co donated cakes to Peterborough's Women's Ward? Which comedian last week with the help of Cakes & Co donated cakes to Peterborough's Women's Ward?
1: No, I can't remember his name.
0: Question number eight. Matt Lucas released a charity song titled What to Raise Money for the Feed NHS Campaign. I don't know who
2: Matt
0: Lucas is. It was a Little Britain fame, the bald headed <laughs> guy.
2: Uh, well,
1: George Dawes. Yeah.
0: I've been annoying Sophie all week singing this.
1: It's been in my head all week. It won't go.
0: Question number nine. On Saturday, the virtual Grand National was run, raising more than 2.6 million for NHS charities, but who won?
3: Uh, we were meant to bet on that, and then we forgot. Uh, no
1: idea. Uh,
0: question number 10. Every year, two sets of new number plate registrations are brought into circulation. What dates are the new registrations introduced? So there's two dates.
1: Oh my God. I'm worried that I've gone with the transfer deadline day rather than the other day. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're the same day, I don't know.
3: This is horrendous, this
0: quiz. I went with general and news this week. so. The answers question number one what animal appears on the logo of lloyd's bank
2: black horse yes you have to get black lucy
0: england cricketer stuart broad dates which former girl band member anyone on,
2: you have to ask me go on then molly king baby spice molly
0: king is correct Yeah.
1: I'm
2: doing well here. Right, who
3: sings I Need a Dollar? Is it Kanye or someone?
0: (laughs) Anyway, uh, no, it's not Kanye West. Anyone know? Hello Black? Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Question number four. How many hands does Big Ben have, Charlotte?
2: It's going to be five or something like that, isn't it?
0: No it's zero. Big Ben's the bell.
2: Ah uh, trick question uh, yeah
0: uh, at 89 yeah. who announced last week he's become a father for the fourth time
2: Bernie Bernie
0: Eccleston. what is the name of the chief medical officer for England?
2: Should I go for that one yeah one. <laughs> Chris with you. <laughs> Yes, it is, Professor. Is Professor. that right? So.
0: It is, uh, Professor. Who was it? Chris Whitty.
2: Ah, oh, who's Matt Hancock then?
1: <laughs> Different person. Health Secretary. Oh, I was so confident in that answer as well. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I need to listen more.
0: So question number seven. Which comedian last week with the help of Cakes and Co donated cakes to Peterborough's Women's Ward? Molly?
1: I know who it is, but I can't remember his name, but I'm going to go with Tom Hollis or Ellis.
0: Uh, (sighs) i put Tom
3: Davies, only because he lives in Stamford, but I have no idea if it's him. Oh
1: yeah, that's it.
0: Tom Davies, Yeah. Matt Lucas released a charity song titled What to Raise Money for the Feed NHS Campaign. I don't have
1: no idea. (laughs) Uh, Charlotte? No, Uh, no idea. Molly? Thank You Baked Potato. Yay!
0: Thank You Baked Potato is correct. It's really catchy. It's long. And if people haven't already, download it because it's going to a good cause. Question number nine. On Saturday, the virtual Grand National was run, raising more than 2.6 million for NHS charities. But who won? Molly. A
2: horse.
1: <laughs> the Tory. I don't know. A
3: virtual. The only horse. jockey I know. Yeah, but you don't name the jockey. <laughs> uh, so it's the name of a virtual horse with a virtual jockey, I guess. I think it begins with P, but I can't remember.
0: I, hang on, we've gone over Molly's moment of the day. We named the jockey. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: you want yeah. the horse. <laughs> yeah, <that's...
0: laughs> Potter's Corner is the right answer.
1: Oh, it did begin with P. It
0: did begin P. with P.
3: Oh, but we had Molly's moments.
1: Thank you for bringing it back up. So <laughs> kind, you guys.
0: So, question number 10. Every year, two sets of new car number plate registration should work but what dates are the new registrations introduced? Does anybody know?
3: I, I think April and October, or possibly April and September or something like that. It's not January and yeah. July. I was going to ask, do you, you want
1: lie. I put February and th- July.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's March the 1st and September the 1st.
3: Oh damn it! April, October wasn't far off, was it? It was the right idea.
0: So it is every six months, but yeah, it starts this March to September.
3: Yeah. Well, it's, just, it's not the beginning of the year, is it? So,
0: yeah. Okay. So, total scores? <sighs> oh,
1: dear. I have a close oh. three. I'm going down every week. Oh, my gosh. That means I didn't come last. I got four. <laughs>
2: I got three,
1: or four, three. Molly won the quiz. Molly won the quiz, right. With a solid four out of (laughs) ten. That is worrying.
0: We've got, I need to know what other people are getting, because these aren't that hard, but I'll take it back, they're a bit blue questions.
3: Mm.
0: Male blue, not as in, anyway. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I do better with actual blue questions. Right,
0: let's move on swiftly. This will go <laughs> south. <laughs> so Charlotte, as we are uh, in this period of of isolation, um, or for you in your chill out time, do you have? Is there anything that you recommend for us and our listeners?
2: Some of my friends are doing is virtual book club or film virtual film bu- book club using WhatsApp or Zoom. And also another idea that a friend of mine um, did last weekend was a, a bake off, a, a virtual bake off where her and her friends all bake cake. And then they chose somebody to judge it virtually. And that was quite good fun for them. But really, all I'm doing is working and sleeping and exercising and Drinking champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Yay.
3: On a Friday though. It's limited to a Friday, isn't it?
2: It's limited to a Friday. <laughs> with a bit of dancing as well in the lounge. Mm-hmm.
3: Good for you. Don't don't. <laughs> Good for you. I think you that is well deserved.
1: Definitely well deserved. Something that
0: we are all doing t- is the amount of non-social interaction or socially distancing interaction has been huge. And the amount of times I spoke to friends in the last week, I've actually seen them okay via a screen more than I would normally.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I
3: yesterday I spent about an hour on the phone to my ex-boyfriend, like from when we were when we were at school when we were both sort of 17. So he was like my first love and we just he called me and we just ended up talking for about an hour. And it's so weird, you can just kind of, like he sounds exactly the same. And um, he was he was doing a WhatsApp call with me and it kept kind of cutting out because he lives in deepest, darkest Devon somewhere. Um, and I said, oh, you should go like you used to do to a, to a phone box in the old days because he used to have to walk to a phone box. <laughs> this is really showing my age. He used to walk to a phone box and, in order to be able to sit on the phone in a phone box for like two hours in the freezing cold, which is what you did for love back then, he used to take a like a coat hanger with him and like poke it into the money slot so that he didn't have to keep putting coins in. So it was just hilarious, I just spoke to him and I'm getting back in touch with like, sounds like I'm gonna say all my ex-boyfriends, that is not what I'm doing. Just, um, just loads of people because you've just got time to do it. and You can arrange to speak to them, and yeah, no, it's it's a great opportunity to do that. <laughs> I'll tell you next week who I've been speaking to this week. You just don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. It can be a feature for you, Lucy. Who did, Which of Lucy's ex boyfriends did you speak to this
3: week? <laughs> There's only about three. <laughs> it won't take long.
0: So uh, it is going for three weeks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. We can get one of them on as guests. They can give this remarkable insight into me. Well, actually, was, <laughs> no one wants to hear about that.
0: <laughs> I'm conscious, before we take up any more of your time, Charlotte, thank you very much for joining us. And I said I'd keep saying it, but thank you for all that you do and your colleagues and your peers and NHS everywhere.
2: Yay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've had a lovely evening. Thank you.